Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Mr. Fundamentals podcast with me, your host, Josh Wilson, a.k.a. Mr. Fundamentals. Got a great show for you today, breaking down the Western Conference Finals between the Warriors and the Spurs, as well as uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, though we still have one game left in the Eastern Conference Semifinals between the Wizards and the Celtics to determine who will play the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. So we'll start in the East with uh, Game 7 for the Wizards-Celtics. Game 6, of course, one of the better games so far this postseason. Uh, both teams trading baskets towards the end of the game. The Wizards uh, looked like they were done with uh, about a minute and a half left, trailing by five. But uh, they made up, made some timely plays and hit some big shots. And, of course, uh, it looked like Al Horford had had possibly hit the dagger and buried the Wizards' chances uh, with just a wild bank shot from a ridiculous angle that he totally did not call. But John Wall comes back down in what looked to be a bit of a broken inbounds play. He did run through uh, in front of the inbound passer, and uh, it looked like they were trying to at least get the ball into Bradley Beal before going to Wall. Uh, but Wall catches it and, and just goes to work at the top of the key. It's a pretty long three right in the defender's face. Uh, it, just a huge shot. And then Isaiah Thomas nearly hits a miracle shot at the end of the game. But uh, what a fantastic game to send this to Game 7, get the series back to Boston. And I think certainly the Celtics have the advantage going into Game 7 uh, the big thing that has that has played to their advantage this season is is uh, their depth, and the Wizards are uh, you know certainly have the opposite uh, when it comes to their team. They do not have much depth at all. They have one of the shortest benches in the NBA, and uh, it, it's shown that's been their biggest weakness throughout the postseason, throughout this series, especially against Boston. Uh, anytime that starting unit isn't on the floor. The, the Wizards really struggle. So ultimately, it, it will come down to a battle between the two benches. Uh, the Celtics' bench is expected to outplay the Wizards, but by how much, you know, Kelly Olenek uh, got into some foul trouble during Game 6. Uh, the bench unit just wasn't necessarily as effective as it needed to be. Uh, and, and the Wizards still have, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich coming off the bench, uh, they've gotten some solid minutes out of Jan Mahinmi now that he's back in the rotation. He made some uh, pretty nice plays off the ball down the stretch for Washington in Game 6. Uh, but ultimately, the difference in the benches will will play a large part because the Wizards have far and away the better uh, starting five. And whenever they are on the floor, they uh, are, are able to just dominate and, and take over the Celtics. But whenever you go to that bench unit... Uh, they run into a lot of problems. So uh, this the Wizards have uh, focused on throughout this series just trying to not let Isaiah Thomas beat them. And uh, they've done a good job of limiting him offensively, but uh, the Celtics have done a pretty strong job uh, of having other guys step up other than Isaiah Thomas offensively. Al Horford has had a really strong series. Uh, Avery Bradley has come up with a few really big games for them this series, and he was again carrying the Celtics uh, 
during Game 6. He had a couple of big shots. He made one short corner uh, jumper down the stretch that uh, gave the Celtics the lead. And again, you know, if the Wizards are going to stick with that plan, I think it's the right thing to do. You don't want Isaiah Thomas uh, just going off and beating you. He's shown uh, just what an incredible shot maker and creator he is. And I think you live with the fact that Al Horford and Avery Bradley are are going to beat you if that's the case because, uh, you know, the Celtics have relied heavily on those two to step up in this series, and they've done a really great job. Uh, but you wonder if at any moment uh, one or both of them is going to really have an off game that might hurt the team. And so I think the Wizards are, are playing with the right strategy. Ultimately, I mean, the best thing for them would be to have a deeper bench, but that's just not an option right now uh, because that bench unit suffers so much whenever uh, that, that starting unit isn't in play for Washington. That's their big Achilles heel. But otherwise, they're controlling the game with those five out on the floor. And, uh, you know, I think you've seen uh, both teams do a really great job of uh, just controlling on home court. Uh, Some of the games really haven't been too close this series. The Celtics uh, took advantage of the Wizards uh, early on in the series. The Wizards have come back. Uh, But the Wizards have really outplayed the Celtics just Boston has answered. They've done a great job of hanging in. You know, they had those really big runs in games one and two in Boston against Boston. And uh, the Celtics answered back to stay in the game. So I think they'll definitely look for uh, game seven to be a close game. For the Celtics, obviously their their job is to just limit John Wall and Bradley Beal as much as possible. Uh we, we've seen Wall and Beal both kind of uh, go in and out of games at times during this series. I don't think we've really seen either one of them have that really huge breakout game. Um, but it'll definitely be interesting to see who steps up as both teams look to uh, try to force the supporting cast to be the difference makers in Game 7. Uh, but with that said, I think the Celtics are going to win. I just think having the bench... Uh, it just helps them so much. The defensive pressure they're able to apply with Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, uh, Terry Rozier, Jay Crowder. Those guys have all just been uh, phenomenal at, at pressuring Wall and, and Beal. And uh, ultimately, I think Boston is just a little bit too much for the Wizards. The Wizards just suffer so much whenever they don't have that starting five in. Uh, their bench unit has really been exploited, playing guys like Branding Jennings. And uh, ultimately, I think Boston gets the win here in Game 7 at home. I think the home court advantage, though it hasn't played uh, too much of an effect in in the postseason in general so far, I think uh, Boston gets a little help from playing at home. And uh, the Celtics take this one in advance to play the Cavaliers in the conference finals. And so then I'll quickly go through a little bit of uh, Cavaliers-Celtics as we're not sure that that will be happening yet, but do want to touch briefly on it as uh, the series would likely start before I'm able to put out another podcast. Uh, I think no matter who the Cavaliers end up playing, they're going to win pretty handily in the series. Uh, the Wizards' biggest problem would again be the fact that they don't have much of a bench. And unlike playing against the Celtics, 
uh, the Wizards would no longer have that advantage with their starting five out on the court just because the Cavaliers' uh, rotation is just much stronger than the Wizards. And obviously, the Cavaliers have uh, the best player in the NBA in LeBron James, who has just dominated the postseason so far. Uh, The Cleveland team will be rested going into this series, which is really great for them as, uh, you know, they relied heavily on guys like LeBron James uh, during the regular season. And this is a very old Cavaliers team that we have comparatively to some of the other playoff teams at this point. So I think the Cavs have definitely benefited from making quick work of uh, the Pacers and the Raptors in the first two rounds. And Ty Lue mentioned the other day that the team is getting a little antsy sitting around waiting for the series. Uh, I do think that that might uh, be able to help uh, whoever ends up playing the Cavaliers in the conference finals coming out of the gate. But I think ultimately, uh, once they get locked in, once uh, LeBron really locks into LeBron, playoff LeBron mode, I think the Cavs will just be too much. But either way, I think when the uh, if the Celtics are too advanced, the big question will be who controls the glass. Uh, neither team is a particularly great rebounding team, but the Cavaliers certainly have the size with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, guys who dominate the glass, to take advantage of Boston, who is a far below average rebounding team, with uh, Horford being one of their best rebounders, a guy who is known for not being a tremendous rebounder for his size. But still, Boston's done a decent job on the glass this postseason. Uh, they've played a lot of teams much closer. Uh, but I think you've seen when when uh, Marcin Gortat and Markeith Morris are out there against Boston, uh, they do a really good job of uh, taking advantage of Boston's lack of size and, and rebounding skills. And, uh, you know, again, if the Celtics advance... Uh, I don't know how much longer you can rely on Avery Bradley to really be your your go-to scorer. I mean, I, I would think that uh, even if the Wizards lose, that a lot of teams are going to look at the, the way they played the Celtics defensively and just say that they're not going to let Isaiah Thomas beat them. And uh, you have definitely, uh, you know, some solid wing defenders for the Cavaliers uh, just in, in Shumpert and in J.R. Smith. And if they're able to uh, take away Isaiah Thomas, uh, you'll look to see who else for the Celtics will step up. Again, Al Horford could be the guy uh, if he tries to operate outside, definitely pulling either Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson, Channing Fry, whoever it is, away from the hoop, opening up the driving lanes for Boston and also just Horford's uh, done a tremendous job this series, especially against Washington, uh, of spacing the floor and coming up with big threes whenever Boston needs it to either help them get a little bit of a cushion or or stop a Washington run. So that'll definitely play a big role. But again, I think LeBron James is just way too much for any team in the Eastern Conference. He has shown just how unbelievable he still can be. Uh, And and I, I do think that this Cavaliers team is going to make it to the finals again. Uh, I don't, th- again, uh, you know, I said uh, at the start of this that I don't really think that either team is necessarily going to give the Cavaliers a big push. Um, I think maybe each of them would have a chance to steal one game, uh, and that could possibly be the first game just because, uh, again, you know, the Cavaliers coming in 
uh, you know, certainly rested, but uh, out of out of a rhythm a little bit. But taking the Cavaliers to win, I would guess it would be in five. Uh, it's hard to predict a sweep, even though the Cavs uh, and the Warriors have both swept the first two rounds of the playoffs so far. But I'll take the Cavs in five to advance to the finals. Um, and certainly, you know, if that series is still going along and I'm able to put out uh, another episode before the finals begins, then uh, I-, I will talk more about the series and, and where it's going from there. Uh, now over to the Western Conference. The Spurs wrap things up in Game 6 to advance to face the Warriors. And this was a really interesting series uh, between the Spurs and the Rockets, I think. Uh, whenever you look at the way these two teams play, you're talking about two sort of different styles of basketball. The Spurs definitely have uh, more of an old-school style of basketball, though it's sort of a relative term because when you look at even back to the 90s, uh, so much of the league was based on really slowing things down and really uh, just pounding the basketball while the Spurs, what they did was really transition the game nicely into the early 2000s by emphasizing ball movement again. And uh, uh, people were talking about, you know, this is a, a failure for the Rockets for Mori Ball. They took one of the best teams in the league to six games in, in the uh, Western Conference semifinals. And yeah, you know, their showing in game six was really disappointing. The fact that they couldn't beat the Spurs in game five uh, with Kawhi out, you know, not really a great look. And again, you know, it doesn't really show well for James Harden, who uh, kind of fell apart towards the end of the season there. Uh, don't know how much of it was him being sick, how much of it was, you know, the wrist or ankle injury that he was dealing with down the stretch. You know, you don't expect him or anyone else to, to make the excuse that, that that was the case. But, I mean, they certainly could have played a big role. He, he just did not look right. Um, part of it is uh, James Harden just in general doesn't always look super interested, even when he's on sometimes. He's a guy who just kind of has that lackadaisical look and way about him. So whenever he doesn't do well, it's easy to criticize um, but, I mean, this isn't necessarily something new from Harden. We saw him really struggle in the, uh, I believe it was 2012 NBA Finals when he was with the Thunder, but he was also a really young guy back then, uh, still getting his feet wet in the NBA. And then, I mean, we saw certainly a, a lot of people are questioning whether Harden uh, quit on the Rockets again this postseason. And as something that he did two postseasons ago, uh, when the Clippers looked like they were about to beat the Rockets, uh, I, I believe it was in Game 6, the Clippers had the lead, and James Harden came out and was moping on the bench, and then Josh Smith helped lead the comeback for the Rockets to force a Game 7. Uh, so this is certainly something to look at going forward, whether this is uh, a, a thing just with Harden, uh, how much of it is just his personality where it can look like he's checked out, even though that's kind of the way he plays uh, just in general. Again, this very kind of laid-back guy, though he does occasionally love to you know celebrate, start cooking uh, whenever he's having a good time out there. So something to watch certainly going forward. I'm not sure, again, that you can really put 
all the blame on him. I mean, we talk about, you know, MVP candidate has to do better. Uh, you know, again, he had an amazing season. Uh, he played way too much. The Rockets played him way too much. I think, again, when you look back on this season, uh, one of the big things now as the Spurs have reached the conference finals is the fact that rest is important. And even if the league doesn't like it, if the fans don't like it, uh, if your goal is to win an NBA Finals, uh, it's really important to be able to have your team healthy and, and playing uh, just about as good as it can whenever you know the biggest game is on the line. And we talk about uh, looking at LeBron, how you know should he just be the MVP because he's the best player in the league? And you know I didn't, I wouldn't have voted for him for MVP. I would have voted for. Kawhi Leonard, who I thought did a, a great job throughout the season playing consistently. LeBron certainly wasn't the most consistent that he's ever been during the regular season. And uh, I, I think as most people w- would agree, it's because he is focused on June and he has shown up for the past uh, you know, six seasons now in June and, and done a really great job. And uh, I look for him to do it again this year. Uh, but certainly, I think, regardless of the injuries, of the illness, whatever it was that was going on with Harden, when you look at just the way that he was played this year and how he didn't rest, and especially how he was championing himself for the fact that he didn't rest, I think ultimately that was something that came back to bite the Rockets in the end. And I think some of the blame also falls certainly on Mike D'Antoni, who, uh, again, you know, this is another thing that the Spurs do so well by resting their players is they get more continuity with some of their bench guys when you look at, you know, Patty Mills being able to step up in a big role. DeJounte Murray, who the Spurs really had, uh, if there are any other team, Murray probably doesn't play. Even if you look across at the Eastern Conference, a guy like Kay Felder, who the Cavaliers were just desperate to get any other player in to play during the regular season, even though uh, you know, once again, we look and the Cavaliers are back in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Spurs could have just happily said, you know, Murray is, is a project and he's a guy that we're not going to work too much with uh, in terms of in-game play this year, but they've done a great job of developing him. And then Tony Parker goes down and he's able to step in and really provide something for him. Same for Jonathan Simmons, who has emerged over the past few seasons with the Spurs. Uh, you look at just the fact that the Spurs are able to go to their bench in the regular season, uh, give everyone some run and get guys in, get them acclimated to playing with each other. Uh, It makes a huge difference this time of the year whenever teams are are scrambling, rotations shrink, and then, you know, the Spurs, they lose Parker, they lose Kawhi for game six, and they're able to just throw guys in who do a great job uh, of just seamlessly flowing back into the rotation, even if they haven't uh, played too much recently. And uh, with the Rockets, certainly you look at the fact that they shrunk their rotation. Obviously, the loss of Nene was huge for them, but that's a case where, you know, uh, the Rockets did a pretty good job of this during the regular season, though, as well with uh, Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell. Uh, Both guys got a decent amount of run during the season, but then when you go and look at the postseason, uh, they didn't play much, and certainly against the Spurs, they really did not play, and... So whenever Nene went down, that would have been a prime chance for Montrez Harrell to step in 
certainly not the same player that Nene is, though he has a lot of the same skill set. He's a, a little bit undersized for Nene, and obviously one thing you love about Nene is his leadership, you know, what he brings to the team just in terms of intangibles, but Harrell certainly brings uh, a ton of energy coming off the bench, and it would have been a great opportunity for him to step in, but uh, D'Antoni shrunk the bench whenever the the injury to Harrell happened, and, uh, you know, we can talk all we want about, you know, it's a make-or-miss league, uh, living and dying by the three when it comes to the Rockets, and, and uh, you know, I don't really think that that was necessarily the case, and you saw they made... I believe only nine buckets inside the three-point arc, uh, and it wasn't like they weren't taking a decent amount of shots inside the three either. They did a pretty solid job hitting their threes throughout the series, and again, I mean, people bash it whenever it doesn't work, but we saw the Warriors win playing a very similar style of ball two years ago. We saw them make the finals last year. The Cavaliers are a team that's shooting a ton of threes. They're shooting the most threes, Per game this postseason, um, you can bash the the new play all you want. Uh, I just think ultimately the Rockets, their guys just didn't show up at the right time. It wasn't even a matter of uh, just not being able to hit threes. They did a pretty good job throughout the postseason of doing that, but uh, certainly James Harden's struggles really hurt them. And again, you know, going back to to the style of ball. Uh, I believe I, I said I would have taken uh, Daryl Morey for uh, executive of the year. He's done just a fantastic job putting that team together and did a great job, I think, of maximizing uh, James Harden offensively. Uh, I do think there's room for the Rockets to improve. I don't know how feasible that's going to be. Again, we, uh, Morey is a guy who likes to just get a few stars and the Rockets really only have that one star, and I wouldn't be surprised if the opportunity presents itself if they move a guy like Ryan Anderson or a uh, Eric Gordon, you know, someone who's making a decent amount of money but had a really great year for them to uh, upgrade and get another star. But really, you know, the Rockets had a tremendous season, and, I mean, going into the postseason, you know, I, I took the Spurs to beat them. I still think the Spurs are a better team. Everyone kind of over uh, overreacted to game one where the Rockets really took advantage. And uh, again, when you look at the postseason, uh, each game is almost like its own season in itself. And, and so we saw the Spurs really get, get their butts kicked during game one, but then they answer back. They do a great job. And certainly part of it was, uh, you know, James Harden not showing and, and the Rockets really struggling uh, in game six and not even making it a game. But again, you know, the style of play, I think Daryl Morey's done a great job. Mike Dan, uh, the hire of Mike D'Antoni, uh, they put a great system in position for that team to succeed. And, you know, you, if you don't run into uh, what has been another fantastic Spurs team, uh, this is a team that makes it to the conference finals. And, you know, if you don't have a, an historically great Warriors team uh, that's just doing a much better version of what the Rockets are doing and much more efficient, then, you know, we're we're lauding the Rockets for what they've done. So don't get too hung up on the fact that their system didn't work because 
It did, and, and they've done a tremendous job, and we're just seeing sort of different variations of the, the pace and space that Mike D'Antoni really uh, has perfected in the NBA. We're seeing different versions of that in Golden State. We're seeing some of that worked into the way the Spurs play. So uh, to denigrate the way that the Rockets play ball, play basketball is just foolish at this point because we're seeing that that's the way the NBA is shifting and it's doing a great job. You can't argue with manufacturing open shots. Uh, the, the only problem is when you have a team that isn't good at hitting those open shots or isn't taking them, but they do a great job at manufacturing all these open shots and they've put a great roster around James Harden to be able to execute on that. And so they've really done a, a great job. And even though obviously wasn't a great way to go out, I, you know, again, I think the Spurs are just the better team. And even if the Rockets take game six and force a game seven, you're still looking at going back to San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard probably playing as he's playing in game one of the Western Conference Finals. And that's still going to be a tough game to win. So uh, again, don't let the one game of the postseason, even though we like to uh, shrink things down to, to one game or one moment or one player with James Harden. Uh, don't let that take away from the fact that what the Rockets did this year uh, was, was truly special and is continuing uh, the way that we have uh, revolutionized basketball and the, the way we see the game offensively. And now to wrap things up, talk Warriors, Spurs, Western Conference Finals. Uh, This is the matchup that we almost got last year. Of course, uh, I think the Spurs team last year uh, was a a little bit better. I'm not going to say it was definitely a a ton better. I think we're looking at a team that's playing a little bit different uh, style. They've focused their offense much more around Kawhi Leonard in the past. Obviously, they don't have... Tim Duncan this year, uh, no Tony Parker, but they have uh, a more a, a longer, more athletic team, and I think it's going to make for a good series uh, against the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors obviously add Kevin Durant from last year. They don't quite have necessarily the same size, not having an Andrew Bogut this postseason, but still have some really solid play and. Uh, one of the big questions certainly going into the series is how healthy is Kawhi coming off of the injury uh, in Game 5, did not play in Game 6, uh, though uh, I'm sure if it were an elimination game for the Spurs, he would have been out there. So how healthy will he be? Will we see uh, him either slowing down or having problems on either side of the ball uh, due to the injury? Uh, that would be a big key, but also for the Warriors, certainly uh, no Steve Kerr. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, that with the Warriors, it's you just come out, you roll the ball out and, and let them do their thing. And certainly they have a ton of tremendous players, guys who are really intelligent and just really know how to play the game uh, that don't necessarily need as much coaching as other players and teams around the league do. But, you know, Kerr is uh, just such an amazing coach. He's shown uh, in his short time as a head coach in the NBA uh, it, he's obviously his absence is going to be felt I think at certain times but uh, last year during the postseason uh, myself and a few other people 
Uh, certainly had some questions about some of the decisions that Kerr made. Don't know if he would have adjusted them for this postseason, but last year he certainly relied, uh, I think, a little bit more than I would have liked to see and some others would have liked to see on some of the Warriors' bigs, especially, uh, you know, with Bogle and uh, he relied heavily on Anderson Verrett at times in the postseason, which was questionable, and he made certainly some good plays, and I think they have uh, two guys that are better than Verajao in, in certain aspects. I like Zaza Pachulia. Uh, he, he does a good job on the glass for them, and uh, just kind of knows where to be, and JaVale McGee has looked pretty solid at times for them. Uh, again, you know, I don't know that you want to re- rely on him too much uh, this series or going forward, and I think it would... Uh, be smart for the Warriors as long as they're not getting killed too much on the glass to really just look at going more with a smaller lineup. Um, you know, certainly Draymond and Kevin Durant as their front court playing power forward and center. We've seen how that lineup can work and hasn't worked necessarily as well as I think most people want to see this year. Uh, the super mega death lineup that it was coined coming into the year, but uh, ultimately, I think that will, uh, that's a lineup that they'll be able to use to exploit the war. Uh, the Spurs, excuse me, though, uh, with the changes in the Spurs roster, I like their athleticism to be able to contend uh, against that kind of long lineup. And uh, certainly for the Spurs, it becomes how do they do controlling the glass and using their size to their advantage. They have Marcus Aldridge, who finally showed up in Game 6 against Houston, had a big game. Pau Gasol, who's done a good job uh, stepping out behind the three-point line, being able to space the floor, and also he gives them a size advantage. Uh, Neither of them are tremendous rim protectors, but certainly their ability to protect the rim uh, will be key. And, you know, I don't know if this is a series where maybe one or, or both of them steps back and we see more of Dwayne Dedman, who's done a great job for the Spurs all year. He's their best rim protector. Uh, and certainly his length and athleticism is something that could come in handy against this Warriors team. But also you look at guys like DeJounte Murray and Jonathan Simmons, these guys who they've developed long athletes who can certainly help defensively, but then uh, if you have those kinds of guys out there that aren't necessarily too strong on offense, so we've seen Simmons have a few good games, uh, you know, do the Spurs suffer too much on the offensive side of the ball to, to, to go with a lineup that has uh, that many guys who are defensive-minded, but we'll see. I think uh, I'd be really interested to see how the Warriors uh, manage around Kawhi Leonard on both sides of the ball. Uh, again, you know, if the Spurs go with that sort of longer lineup, uh, we'll see if if it turns into um, maybe some more uh, one-on-one action with Kawhi Leonard going right at his defender or if uh, they try to look to move the ball around. Certainly the Spurs will, I think, ebb and flow out of different forms of their offense. They'll play a style that at times will look like Warriors basketball and you don't really want to play into the way that the Warriors play because uh, you're not going to beat them playing their game but the Spurs uh, I think have the have the talent and, and have the intelligence to make it happen and to work 
with a certain personnel on the floor. Then also you might see the Spurs kind of slow it down. And obviously one thing, one big thing playing against the Warriors, you want to control the pace. You don't want them to get out and, and be running because they're fantastic in transition. Uh, they have so many intelligent players, guys who uh, move down the floor well. So uh, the Spurs, a big thing for them will not only be just shutting uh, the Warriors down defensively, but also being able to convert on offense and not let the Warriors uh, get down the court in fast break because the Warriors will really take advantage of teams in transition if uh, things aren't going well offensively. And as I lauded the, the Spurs for the fact that they've done a great job throughout the year of mixing in their guys, getting in uh, plenty of the guys in their rotation, getting all of them familiar with the Warriors have also done a great job of that, and we're seeing it uh, in the postseason uh, we've seen it throughout the year with contributions from Salazar Petrulia, JaVale McGee. Uh, Andre Iguodala has been as strong as ever. Uh, Sean Livingston, Ian Clark, the way those guys work in the rotation. And even though a lot of people were plenty critical of the Warriors' depth coming into the year, I think ultimately they've done a great job of uh, carving out a nice bench just with the guys that they had and the few uh, free agent acquisitions that they made and again you know I, I, I just think this is the Warriors series to lose they're such a, a much better team than any other team in the league I think and even though I expect this series to be uh, a good one and be competitive I don't expect to see you know many blowouts if, if any at all I think the Warriors are just ultimately too much and when you look at the fact that the Spurs uh, you know they rely so heavily on Kawhi Leonard and not knowing how healthy he's going to be in this series I like the Warriors to win in five games and again you know I think it's going to be a close five games I don't think that they're really going to be too many blowouts uh, I think most of the games should be pretty good and uh, you know obviously game one is always a big game but especially for the Spurs if you can steal a game in Golden State uh, before sending it back to San Antonio, that would really give them a huge advantage uh, just because going into Golden State is and winning is, is such a tough thing. And uh, Both with the Warriors and the Cavaliers, they have a chance to uh, go undefeated, getting to the NBA Finals and then playing each other, which would be really interesting uh, if, if both teams swept. Uh, just because of the fact that the Warriors are playing the Spurs, I think the Cavs have a better chance of sweeping in the conference finals. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the Warriors swept this series, just because, again, I think they're so much better than any other team, including the Spurs, even though I'm a guy who you know really loves the way the Spurs play, uh, loves the talent that they have, and just, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, again, was my MVP pick. Uh just the Warriors, they can bring way too much at you with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. They have too many options scoring. Uh, again, you know they're still underrated defensively, just the way that they're able to play with those four guys uh, and Iguodala or, or one of their big men. You know, whoever's out there, they have uh, plenty of lineups that they can use to combat. Uh, I think the the size. And, and strengths of the San Antonio Spurs and 
So I think it's the Warriors in five. Wouldn't be surprised if they swept, though again, I think it's going to be a really fun series to watch, and uh, I hope everyone will enjoy it as well as uh, Game 7 of the uh, Celtics-Wizards series on Monday night and then the Eastern Conference Finals as well. And I want to thank you all for uh, tuning in again to the Mr. Fundamentals podcast. Uh, You can like, subscribe, share on SoundCloud, the Mr. Fundamentals podcast, Mr. Fundamentals. Uh, Also on iTunes, you can follow me there. Uh, You can have the podcast downloaded right to your phone if you subscribe uh, or right to your computer automatically anytime I put a new one out. I want to apologize also for having to put out uh, an episode every other week for the past few weeks. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, one of my good friends has been pretty sick, so I've been trying to help uh, take care of her. Uh, And also just, I I am graduating next Sunday, so my schedule has been very busy with uh, the end of uh, school, wrapping up, trying to get finals done and and finish up with my time uh, in college. So again, I'm sorry for not being able to put out uh, an episode every week lately. Uh, once I finish up with school, I will be able to uh, record on a, a much more regular schedule and go back to having episodes once a week. So uh, thank you for being uh, patient with me and thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Fundamental underscore J. Uh, again, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes and also. Uh, For the time being, I'm still writing with 12up.com, so you can see my work there. Uh, Written a a decent amount about uh, basketball, about the playoffs, uh, about some off-season decisions coming up uh, for the Clippers, the Raptors, uh, possible landing landing places Excuse me for uh, some of the other uh, big names in the NBA. Also, a lot of baseball coverage. I'll be talking some more baseball. when my summer begins as I get out of uh, school and uh, able to get on a more regular schedule with the podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to talk about uh, the situation that happened in Boston uh, during the Orioles-Red Sox series. Um, So definitely be looking to uh, talk about that, even though it won't be, unfortunately, it won't be as timely as uh, it should have been. Uh, But again, you know, A lot of great content coming for you guys in the future. Hoping to have a few guests on uh, going forward as as my schedule uh, frees up a little bit and and I'm able to uh, change things around. So uh, thanks again for listening. Again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MrFundamental underscore J. Check out my work at 12up.com. And uh, enjoy the NBA playoffs. Have a great week. (laughs) 